Welcome to the Brandon New Podcast. I'm your host, Carly Lyon, and I'm dedicated to helping individuals elevate their personal brand, proactively shape their reputation, and attract the life and career they dream of. I interview leading creative professionals, communication experts, and social media gurus in a bid to uncover practical and cutting-edge personal branding strategies for you to apply. All sessions are recorded in front of a real audience asking real questions. If you want to learn more, please feel free to visit my website, carlylion.com, and discover other ways we can work together. For now, let's start the class. Welcome to the Brandon New Podcast. Now, I have many a time said to you that the reason I started this podcast was to give you, dear listener, access to the tips tools, ideas, and strategies to help you shape your reputation and own your personal brand and essentially put yourself out there so you can show up in a way that helps you get to where you want to go. But you see, there is an ulterior motive to this podcast, and that is that I get to have the perfect excuse to speak to my favorite, most admired thought leaders, authors, and experts. And today, especially, I am very excited, intimidated, and nervous because I'm talking to the lady who has written a book that I consider my professional Bible, and that is Dr. Rebecca Newton. And I'm going to give you her full bio because I think it just is so deserving of it. So here is a snapshot. Dr. Rebecca Newton, PhD, is an organizational and social psychologist and senior visiting fellow at the London School of Economics and Political Science in the Department of Management. She has spent the past two decades researching and teaching on leadership, communication, professional development, organizational culture, change, and management practice. She's a CEO of Coach Advisor and has 20 years experience advising and coaching business leaders and teams in organizations all around the world. And I mean, top, top level. She writes for the Harvard Business Review, was formerly a visiting fellow at Harvard University and has facilitated executive education for the University of Cambridge. Now, she's also a fellow Australian, but she lives in London with her three children. Welcome, Rebecca, and thank you so much for making the time to to do this with me. Oh, Kali, I'm so happy to be here with you. I just wish that I was in Sydney with you. <laughs> <laughs> I know before we started, you you did say you're missing the leafy North Shore of Sydney, but London Town is is a pretty magical place as well. It is. It is. Yeah. Now, for, you know, it, it it's obvious for me to ask you this. Now, you've gone from Sydney, the University of Sydney, and now we're talking about your academic career, to the London School of Economics, and you've done a stint at Harvard. I mean, for any academic and certainly those aspiring from a career perspective, they would look at your bio and go, oh, my, that's amazing. How did you get to where you are today? I know that's a really big question, but was this grand design or was it just an accidental? How did you get to where you are today? Was it intentional in every way? No, that I've ever been asked that question before. Um, I, I feel really grateful and thankful for the opportunities that I've had. And, you know, I have wonderful colleagues and people who've opened doors for me mm. and things like that. I'm super thankful for. Um, I would, I would say, <laughs> it's not like I was, you know, 
walking around Sydney Uni on campus thinking, oh, I'd like to. I didn't even set out to be an academic, actually. I love practice, which is why I split my time between yeah. consulting and academia. Um, and But one thing I'd say is I just, you know, people often talk about like waiting for the right door to open. I just knocked mm-hmm. on lots of doors. I was like, I'd really love to do this or I like your work and I'd like to work with you or, you know, I'd apply for things that I thought how on earth would I get in and um, I had so many, so many closed doors, but it only often takes um, one to open to then have this amazing opportunity and then you just make the most of that while you can. But you know, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, how would I ever get into LSE or how would I ever get a visiting fellow position at Harvard? And I thought, well, if yeah. I'm not going to apply and write to people. And I just find people are so generous with their yeah. with their time and helping guide you. And, and yeah, and I, I think sometimes we just need to apply for stuff and, and there's lots I of things that. I do. <laughs> yeah, of course, but but definitely a lot of things you did. But psychology, was that always just something you naturally gravitated to, something you loved from a young age? Yeah, I probably, I think I was in, I, I was on the North Shore, I was in school deciding what to do at uni. And mm. I remember thinking, <laughs> I remember thinking, ooh, psychology, a career <laughs> talking? Yes. <laughs> I just love psychology. I think it's, I mean, I, I work almost exclusively in leadership development, organizational yeah. culture, you know, kind of business environment. Um, and this psychology has so many different streams to it. Mm. I, I just absolutely love it. I mean, it's, it's a whole, like I used to read the textbooks for fun. You know? oh. <laughs> just, yeah, it's yes. wonderful. So I'm really, I, I'm so appreciative to have a career that I really do love. I mean, you know, in any career, not everything yeah. is shiny, rosy and easy all the time. And yeah, of course. But for the most part, I just, I just love it. I'm really thankful. Well, I think you have to love it to get to where you've gotten to because it, it would have taken work and resilience and, you know, that, that persistently knocking on doors and being willing to be rejected. So yeah, it, it makes sense to me to hear that it's something that you love and it shines through in your work, which I just realized I haven't even mentioned what this book is, this Bible of mine that I've got right in front of me right now. And the title of the book is Authentic Gravitas. Subtitle is Who Stands Out and Why? So why did you decide to write this book? It's mm, a good question. So I didn't, I, I didn't, it's not like I had a lifelong dream to write a book on Gravitas. I, mm. you know, like I said, I almost exclusively do kind of leadership development, leadership team stuff. And as part of that, I do a lot of leadership coaching and yeah. that is, for, you know, established leaders right through to people stepping into leadership. And one of the conversations in, I call it the quiet of the coaching room, you know, mm. where you suddenly where people feel they, they realize this is confidential. They can open up, they can be vulnerable. And one thing people would say so often is, Rebecca, what I really need is more gravitas mm-hmm. or I've been told that I need more gravitas. And this isn't just people who are, it, it definitely is people who are kind of, you know, mid-career wanting to 
get in being promoted into more senior leadership roles, mm. you know, partnerships in firms, stuff like that. But it's also, you know, I've had the same conversation with a newly appointed CEO of a tech company who said, mm. well, this is what, so either people feel like they need it themselves or they're being told what you mm. need is more gravitas. And it's very intangible and often that people don't even know what exactly that looks like or if they're being told they need more gravitas they're not getting much more information on it than that. So I kind of set out on a research journey to find out what do we mean in organizational life today by gravitas and how do people develop this? Because you know what's really interesting? I mean, maybe it's slightly embarrassing. I don't know. Given I do believe I'm quite well read. The reason I came to your book was I had a meeting with a client of mine who's the CEO of a, a, a big auto, automotive company. And he was talking about some of the executives that he potentially wanted me to coach. And he used the word gravitas. And that had never really been part of my vernacular. So yeah. I literally went away and Googled, you know, books on gravitas. Not that I didn't know what it meant. So I understood the definition of it. But yeah. I wanted to, you know, like you said, really understand the concept of it. And your book was the first book that came up. So that's the reason I, I ordered it, which is why we're here today. You made good research. <laughs> yeah. What would you say is the definition now that you've done all of that research around what gravitas could and is, could be and what it is, what, what's your definition of it? So I think that when we talk about gravitas in the workplace, we're, we're talking about people who are trusted and respected. Yeah. Who are taken seriously. Yeah. And their words carry weight. Mm. And what has been interesting to me as I've observed it, like through the research, but also through my client work, you know, for the last kind of 20 years and the things that I've observed, 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 <laughs> I haven't had enough coffee this morning, <laughs> is, is that, um, it's not necessarily positional. Mm. So there are people, I remember being at this one meeting, you know, I was kind of an invited thought leader to a group of 12 CPOs. Mm. They're all of big corporates. They were all peers, essentially, you know, different yeah. organizations, size organization, different industries. So no hierarchy in the room. And yet when one person would speak, everyone else would almost physically lean in. And just kind of listen and wait and not fill the silence, mm. the gaps. And I was like, what is it about this person? So, yeah, there's there's just, I mean, that's the whole book, isn't it? But that's that's yeah. what we're talking about. In a and and trusted, trusted and respected is really fundamental. You know, it's really interesting, uh, and I, I certainly don't want this to turn into a coaching session. You'll you'll walk away and go, did Carly just get me on the call so she can you know, get a free coaching session <laughs> I'm sure you could coach me. me. I'd love to ask you a question. <laughs> but so I believe, like, get, when you talk about what gravitas is, I believe in certain situations, uh, certainly if I'm speaking or if I'm running a workshop or if I'm you know, walking into a coaching uh, client session, I believe I do shop with gravitas. I, I feel it. And I, I, if I look at the response that I get from the people around me, 
it would suggest that I, I am showing up with gravitas. But what's so interesting is last night I was invited to a dinner party and it was with a whole group of really highly accomplished, very well-spoken, intelligent women. And honestly, Rebecca, I walked into the room and I felt myself shrink and all of the things, and this is, you know, being someone who I do the pep talk, I get into the right state of mind, but all of the things that I would relate back to Gravitas, it's like that it just slipped away. So can it also be determined by what environment we're in about whether or not we do show up with Gravitas? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what uh, what clients will say to me is, yeah, I don't have any issues when I'm doing this scenario. Yeah. But it's in these moments that I really need it. Yes. <laughs> don't feel like I've got it, you know. So, and that's the frustration, isn't it? Um, so there's, you know, the mindset piece that you talked about is really important. And I think mm. sometimes, particularly in the busyness, of life, yeah. right, of life, which we all have, we can just rock up. And that is true, mm. particularly virtually. You know, we just go from one meeting to the next without kind of centering ourselves, without thinking about what's most important here. You know, the that getting ourselves in that mindset beforehand um, is so important. Mm. Sometimes we just rush in. And we're we're forgetting to kind of ground ourselves beforehand. So there's mm. various things. That- yeah, it makes sense. Now you open the book by talking about the myths of gravitas. Yeah. So I would love for you to share those, the three myths of gravitas. Okay. So the the things that I was hearing, the kind of wrong thinking. So the mindset piece does matter, as I said. Yeah. And and this is myths matter because we kind of need to debunk them for ourselves. The yeah. first is the I call it the myth of the gravitas gift, which is either we have it or we don't. Mm. Now we use the language of this person has gravitas and actually, you know, you just described in some situations you feel that you've got gravitas and other yeah. times you're like, that didn't really, you know, I feel, I, I love your language. I, I felt myself shrink. Um, gravi- I think about, increasing the degree of gravitas that we have mm. and, and being able to, ha- you know, to, to come across in that way when we feel that we need it. Um, so it's not something we have or we don't. And that's a really yeah. important label because otherwise most of us would think I don't have that. And yeah. this person doesn't. And you, if that means you can't do anything about it, but gravitas is a skill that you can develop. Mm. And I know that because I have seen, you know, some of the organizations where I've coached, I've worked with them for more than a decade and I have seen people develop gravitas, not that it takes a decade, but my point is yeah. I see people change and develop all the time in the, mm. in the degree of gravitas that they have. So I know that it is a skill that can be developed. It's not something that you have or you don't have. And that's really important because otherwise what's the point? Yeah. If you don't have it, you can't do anything about yeah. it. Right? Yeah. Second one is the myth of charisma and mm. an association that we have that we have to be charismatic to have gravitas. Mm. And charisma is more closely linked in some ways to personality. Yep. You know, some of the kind of personality frameworks. Um and personality is relatively stable over time. Yeah. So we 
we can think that it's about charisma, but it's not because you could think of, if I got you to think of say five different people who you'd say they have a high degree of gravitas, some of them would be charismatic. You'd say they're charismatic and some of them wouldn't be. So mm-hmm. I can think of many leaders that I work with who I'd say they have gravitas. I, again, I use it as short term kind of have gravitas, but yeah. they have gravitas. And yeah, I definitely wouldn't describe them as charismatic. Yeah. And then other people that you can think of who are charismatic, but you would not say that they've got gravitas. And sometimes mm-hmm. we see that in public figures, politicians, things like that. I don't want to get into that too much, but you can have charisma and not gravitas. That's so, so true. That's an important distinction to make. And that's not to say that having charisma is bad or, or that people shouldn't no. desire charisma, but that is something that is a different um It's a different you know, thing. Yeah. And then the last one is probably the thing I'd say is most important and tends to resonate with people the most, which is the the myth of confidence. Mm. When people that I so in research for the book, I would ask people to describe other people who had gravitas. And when they describe them, they would say that they're confident. And then I would go and ask those people to describe mm-hmm. themselves. And, of course, they didn't say, well, I'm a really confident person or I've got it all together. Yeah. Quite the opposite. Now, some, in some situations they feel really confident and they feel yeah. fairly confident about their skill set and, and what they're doing. But they'd say things like, I give myself a pep talk in the morning. You know, I give myself, one person said, I give myself a team brief. I'm like <laughs> looking in the mirror going, you've got this, you can do this. <laughs> um, I love that. And so we look at other people who oh. we consider to have a high degree of gravitas and we think that we are seeing confidence, but what we are actually seeing is the outworking of courage. Mm. And that turns into, you know, as we, Often we're stepping into these situations and we have to draw on courage in order to push forward in those. And then we become over time more comfortable, which is actually what we're talking about. We want to feel comfortable, not nervous. Um, And it's so important to realize this because, you know, some of the research suggests that courage is one of the strongest predictors of leadership effectiveness, not confidence. And if we look and we think the challenge is we look at other people and think I'm not confident enough and then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because we're generating this negative self-talk, we feel worse about ourselves and we're actually decreasing our own confidence. Mm. (laughs) And then we know we think that that relates to, to gravitas and so it's just this negative cycle. So it's really important to debunk that. And sometimes when I'm going into situations and I'll say, like, I was doing this big speaking event, I said to my team, you know, there were like 5,000 people. I said, I'm not going. I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really annoying because then they'll say to me, isn't it actually about having courage? And don't you really care? And you are going. But it's important to know, you know, people would say to me, so I feel pretty comfortable now. You know, I'll speak in front of senior leaders or a few hundred people and not think anything of it. And people yeah. are like, oh, so confident. But I'm not always mm-hmm. confident. And I certainly wasn't always confident in those environments. Like the first, my first speaking event ever, <laughs> I hyperventilated and was taken away in an ambulance before I even got 
to the front of the room, you know. (laughs) It's just we need to be really mindful of how we're comparing ourselves to other people and know that Mm. what matters is that we have the courage to do it and and our reasons for doing it. And and positive self-talk, you know, I've been looking a lot lately at constructive self-talk and how powerful that is. We need to know. Yeah kind of have our own pep talk ready about why we're there, why we're being given the opportunity to, to you know, mm. say for you, yesterday, why were you invited to that dinner? Yeah. And you could answer those questions to know why someone thinks that you're interesting and that you would enjoy that and that other people would enjoy meeting you and those things. That's kind of the, the, the pep talk beforehand that you were referring to and I was talking about is constructive self-talk and the research is pretty clear that actually it's not, it's not fluffy. It does have a positive impact. Yeah, uh, I I definitely, well, in that case, it didn't work, but in most cases it does work. But I think I just, also my body language was reinforcing, you know, some negative thinking. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. But like I said, we won't, I won't, I won't um, de- indulge too much in that side of things. So I love how you separated charisma from gravitas, because I, I think that makes a lot of sense as being an important distinction. because. I can see how people would think you've got to be charismatic to have that gravitas, but actually there's different faces or different versions of gravitas that all lead to the same road of being respected and listened to. Are there any, and I know the book is like a full a full resource of all different strategies and tips and tools to get to that end goal. But is there one or two that you've found through your coaching experience that helps generally across the board a person get there to that sense of walking into a room and feeling like they are being, you know, they can lead the room and stand out? Yes. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not sure how to narrow it down to just a few, but I guess I, a few things I'd say is um, one is to always choose curiosity. Mm. We spend so much time thinking in these big meetings and, I, and I, by big, I don't mean just lots of people, right? Yeah. I mean, important to us where we want to have this impact. And, you know, sometimes the more senior you get, actually the the big meetings, the rooms get smaller and smaller, right? Those are really yeah. important meetings. Um, the, the thing I'd say is that in those scenarios, we're thinking so much about what am I going to say? Mm. You know, when we're worrying about ourselves and how we come across, we're thinking what am I going to communicate instead of we, we just need to balance that. I talk about balancing clarity and curiosity, right? So we need the clarity mm. around what are the key things that I'm going to communicate and say and balancing that with choosing curiosity. We have to choose curiosity because sometimes the people who have gravitas are the ones who just ask really insightful mm. questions and they create a space where other people can contribute in a really meaningful way. Right? I talk about the difference between surface gravitas and real gravitas, authentic gravitas which is the surface gravitas can actually have an adverse impact because it's kind of the posturing, it's the positioning. You know what it's like. It's the, mm. I'm the big person. 
Actually, they can close down conversations, make other people feel like they don't have the space, you know, that kind of walking on eggshells, they can't contribute. It's the opposite of what we need in culture and organizational life right now, which is, you know, where the kind of psychological safety and where people feel that they can take risks and speak up and, and, so we need to choose that curiosity and yeah. and ask good questions as well. You know, so for example, like before, and this is intentional, before joining you today, instead of just thinking about oh, what am I going to say, which I'm sure I could have given more time to, but um, I wanted to know who are the people who connect yeah. with you? Who are the people, mm. like what is it about them? What's most important to them right now? Mm. And just choosing to be curious is so powerful and and going in there thinking, what can I learn mm. and what don't I know and who are the people that I'm spending time with? And probably the most important question is what's most important to them? Mm. And if you don't know that, that's okay because then you know what you don't know and what you want to try and find out. Mm. So choosing curiosity is important. It sounds obvious, but I, I think again, in the busyness and the pressure of what am I going to say, even in the context of presentation, still, it's so important to think about that. Yeah. But then that has to be balanced with clarity. And I'd say know in advance what do you want your audience to take away, whether that's an audience of one or three or 50 or 500. What, if nothing else, what do you want them to remember? Mm. you're pretty good at going okay I've got my <laughs> 40 page slide deck <laughs> and it's easier to have an hour than it yeah. is to have three minutes so if I only had three minutes because so often we think oh, I'm going to do all all of this talking but then someone asks a question or takes it off on a, in a meeting conversation yeah people take it off the tangent you weren't expecting so if you only had three minutes what would you say what's most important for you for them to take um, I guess one other thing is knowing how to position yourself. Like yeah. I find many people don't like talking about themselves, don't feel like they might be, that it's definitely true here in the UK, people feel that they might be boasting. I know that's quite an Australian thing as yep. well as not feeling yep, like totally. putting yourself, you know, I'm so magical, I'm fabulous, here I am. I think it's worth scripting and practicing. Here's my, not, not my, you know, 15 lines, but yeah. here's my three senses of what I do and why it matters to me. Mm. And that changes the way that people listen to you. And we can't be afraid to be, be open to sharing our kind of credibility and yeah. the sharing the perspective that we come from. Um, it can, it can feel like boasting, but I find that many people take it too far the other way. And then it changes the way that people listen to you. Yeah. And that to me, obviously that may coming from someone who's all about personal branding and how you're positioning yourself and how you're telling a story that makes complete sense to me to have that clarity and how then when you're communicating clearly, uh, and concisely and intentionally that's coming across and you know that obviously is leaving a completely different impression and I love what you said about the posturing because 
I definitely have seen and encountered people like that where you know they're in their head and it's like they've read, you know, they've read a whole bunch of personal development books and they're doing all the right things, right? They've got the, you know, their body language is right. They've got the handshake. They're nodding the head properly. And you just know you're not actually here with me. You're totally thinking about how you're showing up right now and what you're saying right now. And it seems so scripted. And that's what you said, that surface level gravitas that that really connected for me, because that's definitely not what you want people to walk away with. It's that authentic, that true, meaningful, I'm, you they're there for the people that they're with. And as a response to that or reaction to that, people feel that and they take them more seriously in return. That makes complete sense, which leads me to the word authentic, which is obviously in the title of the book as well and a big part in what the whole package is, authentic gravitas. So when I do the work that I'm doing in personal branding, I'm constantly asked the question of authenticity. Like I want to be myself, but I want to come across as a better version of myself. So do I have to pretend to be someone I'm not? And and I loved when I, and I always talk about your book when it comes to this question, because I always say, I want you to read Dr. Rebecca Newton's book, Authentic Gravitas. And she talks about it's the importance of being authentic to your intention and impact not necessarily who you've always been. So can you please speak to that? Because I just thought that was such a brilliant concept. Yeah, so I think authenticity is so important because I see all the research results, right? So authentic, mm. it's not because it's a buzzword in society and organisational yeah. life. The research on authentic leadership is the evidence is really clear about how powerful it is and, and all the great outcomes it has that and interpersonal and organizational level mm-hmm. but we misunderstand authenticity as being kind of fixed or being fully transparent yeah um none neither of which is is true that's not what we're talking about when we talk about authenticity in in the kind of sense of what leads to these positive outcomes um so the reason the book is called authentic gravitas is that you know sentence number one would be Rebecca, what I really need is more gravitas. And sentence number two would be, but I don't want to pretend to be someone else. (laughs) Yeah. And gravitas does not have a personality requirement. So again, if I, if I, all the different people who I think of who have a high degree of gravitas, they have all different personality types. Mm. I'm a psychologist. We could talk about personality all day. I love it. But um, there's no personality requirement, which means gravitas shows up in different ways. And being authentic, I, I think what's important is to understand the difference between what I call our natural style and our authentic style. Mm. And the the time when I really learned this for myself is when, so I was having coaching, you know, I kind of practice what I preach and I had had yeah. a profile done. I was having coaching. I was in the States at the time and and my coach was going through all the feet, all the profile results and I was like yeah I could see that that's helpful Mm. and then he said Rebecca the results of your profile suggest that you're stubborn and (laughs) I said no I'm not (laughs) yeah of course (laughs) and I did not realize the irony of my response for years like 
right, new lot. And I was just like, his name's Chris. I said, Chris, I'm really just not stubborn. <laughs> I love it. And he said, okay, when you get back to London, I want you to ask some people for feedback. Did it? And I was like, great, because then I can email you and tell you. Yeah, prove you wrong. I get back. And somebody, a colleague who I'd worked with closely for years, she was my closest colleague, Sarah. I said to her, out of the blue, we were talking about something else, about to go into a meeting with a client. I said to her, Sarah, on a scale of 10, 10 being the highest, how would you rate me on stubbornness? 10. (laughs) And there was not a breath between my question and her answer. And I was absolutely devastated. I did not understand. I couldn't place this information anywhere. I was so upset at her and for me and Anyway, we we debriefed it later <laughs> through many tears, actually. Yeah. And apparently I would come across that my, like the way that I would argue mm. my point of view would leave no space for her to have a different opinion. Mm. Now, this is from someone who teaches collaboration is a big believer. I genuinely believe that diverse perspectives lead to better outcomes. I genuinely yeah. believe that. Yeah. And yet, so that approach and that style mm. is my interest, which mm. my husband will be like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably like, I'd like a bit more intentionality at home, Rebecca. Um, so my natural style is stubbornness. Like this is what I think and and you know, I can't be talked out of it and hear blah, blah, blah. But that's not my authentic style, right? So authenticity is knowing there's lots of different definitions, but but a good way of thinking about it is knowing what you genuinely think, what you really feel. Feelings are yeah. important. That's a whole thing to talk about. I think it's important to know your strengths, like what are your kind of natural energizers, yeah. what you bring to the table, and what are your values, what matters to you. Okay, so that's where that point that you made around impact comes across. What is the impact that I want to have? What The question I ask, it's one of my HBR articles, what kind of leader do I want to be? Mm. You know, we run all these programs, leadership development programs. Here's what great leadership looks like. Here's all the stuff that we know. Here's practical tips on how to develop it. And I think the first question should be, what kind of leader do you want to be? What kind of leader do you need to be? And if you can answer that question, because my answer to that is I want to be someone where other people flourish around me, where they thrive, where they have an opportunity to challenge and to come up with new ideas and I'm not being the one to come up with all the answers mm. and, and there I, the best idea wins, you know. But apparently I would naturally not even create space for these ideas in certain contexts. So anyway... That's the difference to me between natural and authentic. It's kind of what comes naturally out of our personality or the yeah. things that we've seen old, um, compared to what authenticity is, what matters to us. And so interestingly, one of the fundamental points of authenticity is self-awareness, is knowing mm-hmm. what matters to us, what do we value, and what impact are we actually having on other people because we all have this gap between our intention yeah. and impact in different ways. Yeah. And we have to be mindful of that. And that's why feedback really is important. Now there's good ways and bad ways of getting that feedback. But yeah. 
feedback does matter so that we can align our intention with our impact and that is what it means to be authentic you know it was i was actually laughing when i was reading that story uh, in your book about you know the interaction you had with the colleague and i loved i actually wrote it down you said being authentic demands clarity and discipline to sometimes move away from old habits, try new things and be true to your intention for impact. Uh, that And that being authentic meant that was not permission to just stick to, you know, you said stick rigidly to your natural style. But at what point, you know, because I obviously I love personal development, I love professional development. You know, I've never understood a person who says, oh, I'm just not good at that. And then they give up at that point. Like to me, with everything we know about our ability to change and, you know, we've all experienced big life-changing moments where, you know, yesterday we were a completely different person because of the the experiences that we've had. So we know we're capable of changing, um, but sometimes it's uncomfortable and it does take work and it takes a lot of effort. So I just loved that you made that clear distinction because it really is a case of what, who are you deciding to be and what is that intention and what is that impact that you want to make? At what point, and is there even, and I don't know if you have the answer to this, is there a point where you just say, I can't change beyond this. So either I've got to change the company I'm with or I've got to change the leader that I'm following. Like, is there a point where that person, that's actually, there's no more change to be had? That's well, a big question, question, isn't it? I, I, no, this is a good question. If there is, I certainly haven't hit it. And yeah. I don't know any leaders like that who do that. But then having said that, you know, the leaders that I know are ones who are, looking really? to develop you know, yeah yeah but you know like ceos of yeah. big companies yeah. don't feel like they're perfect and they've made it but the other thing is you know even where they've been really successful yeah. as an individual as a leadership team that success leads to changing conditions right it leads to mm. bigger markets or bigger organizations yeah. that they're leading they need yeah. to be different leaders and grow their leadership capacity in different mm -hmm. ways right so i just don't think we ever arrive because the the challenges around us change but also just nobody has it all together yeah. you know so it's it's True. about knowing um it can be pretty overwhelming right so yeah. I, the reason i talk about leadership so much i think the gravitas is about leading the room regardless of your position in it Okay, yep. so it's regardless of your whether you've got a leadership title or not. Gravitas means that you are leading. You know, you're influencing the environment around you. Yeah, for, for positive, and they're just you, we don't arrive as leaders. We just yeah. have to keep growing and pushing in. Otherwise we fall back and we do it anyway, right? We fall back into old habits. I know that I could fall into, I could, the thing is that we need to hold both of these truths at the same time. One is personality is relatively stable over time. Strengths, like I do loads of work in, in a kind of a, a strengths approach to leadership. Yeah. 
the things that energize us are stable over time, like to the point that I tested myself in this. I thought, is this true? So I did a profile 10 years ago. I did it again a few months ago to test. Is this true? Am I still energized by the same things? And sure enough, I mean, it wasn't exactly the same, but the key yeah. themes are still the key themes. The things that energized me 10 years ago are still the things that really energize me today. So we're relatively stable in those things, which is why self-awareness is important to understand what does give us energy? What are our strengths that we bring to the table mm-hmm. to be able to play to those, to create diverse teams around us where people have different strengths to us? And yet we can also develop. So there are things that we can develop and change and there are things that stay true to us. Yeah. And so while I it's it's about the discipline of how we so say for example i have leaders who are much more oriented towards management but actually yep. you know every leader still needs to bring vision motivate people all of that stuff yeah and you know they say to me like you're not turning me into someone else you know i'm not going to be like a <laughs> yeah. bang platform hurrah person you know happy clapping um So they need to work out how to bring vision and to motivate people in a way that is still true to themselves, they feel comfortable, that it is true and aligned with their values, but it might mean engaging in ways that don't come naturally. Mm. And I could easily, I could still easily shut down conversation and my team probably will tell you (laughs) if she does it all the time. Yeah. you know, one of the best things we can do for, for this gravitas, this leadership, regardless of position, is to top and tail our day, right? Because it's an everyday practice of saying, what kind of impact do I want to have today? What kind of colleague do I want to be today? What kind of leader do I want to be today? And that's the grounding that we need to make time for. And it only needs to be two minutes, but it is being intentional with the impact that we're having on the people around us. Mm. And that may be slightly different to our natural style. And sometimes we need to do things that feel a bit uncomfortable, but it's in, it is true being true to ourselves in terms of aligning with our values and the impact that we want to have. And then the other thing, honestly, reflection just to go, was I that leader today? Did I show up that way? Was I that colleague today? Was I that whatever? Um, yeah. And sometimes the answer is no. Yeah. yeah like, of I, was, I was crap today. I don't know if I can say yeah, that. But like, yeah. In terms of who I wanted to be. And then it just has to be, okay, what, what did I learn? And yeah. that, what does that teach me for tomorrow? And, and to me, that's leadership development, you know, the, the programs and the coaching and all the stuff that we can do. Yeah head knowledge unless we embed it and cement it for actual behavioral change it well i would add to that top and tail read a paragraph from uh rebecca's book at the beginning of the day <laughs> and then read a paragraph from the book at the end of the day and just keep those two words front and center intention impact intention impact as a compass so you know that that to me would be such a game changer so again this book is full of practical tips and ideas and strategies and each person each reader is going to find their own way to the end goal of you know showing up with gravitas 
But in the book, you do talk about the three commitments that a professional with gravitas makes, which leads them to ultimately have gravitas. So could you elaborate on those three now? I think some of them we've touched on already, but one, and I'd yeah. say probably the most important one is is the piece around courage, to choose mm. courage over worrying about levels of confidence because as we do that, actually, our confidence grows. Um, and the things that I said before around constructive self-talk, the research shows that they matter. They're not fluffy. So, um, and also courage is something within our control, right? We have agency there. Yeah. How yeah. we how comfortable and confident we feel is really difficult to control. Or as courage, we can go, okay, yes, I acknowledge that I'm feeling out of depth or out of place, or why am I here and whatever. And this matters to me. This is a great opportunity, and I'm gonna step into it with everything I've got. So here I go. Um, mm-hmm. so the piece around courage, choosing curiosity. Yeah, not just moving, moving from certainty to curiosity is one of the biggest lessons that I've learned because Mm -hmm. even if I feel like I know everything what don't I know it's really important to to work that out and just knowing that sometimes gravitas is being a facilitator of other people's greatness and their great ideas not just being the one with all the shiny ideas yes then the last one I'd say you, you you alluded to it before is actually about connection right connection over charisma Mm. when so to boil it down if we talk about two fundamentals of gravitas being trusted and respected who are the people that we trust this trust comes in two kinds of forms right one is competence trust which is do i trust that you are the right person for this situation that you have the right expertise and experience or whatever it might be which is why and we need to communicate that so that's that point around to your point personal brand and being able to give two or three sentences on you know here's here's who I am Mm. but trust is also interpersonal trust Mm. so trust isn't just competence trust it's interpersonal which is can I trust that you have good intention towards me that you have my back or and and if we are building trust, we're doing that with connection. So meaningful connection mm-hmm. with people is more important than the kind of shiny surface gravitas, just wanting to yeah. connect with people in a meaningful way, understand them, understand what matters to them, what are their goals, what are their concerns, you know, it's it's more than just it's the social element, but it's you know, which is yeah. why in leadership programs, you know, the socializing is so important. But it's also understanding what really matters to people mm-hmm. and forming that connection actually enables us to have it is absolutely one of the fundamentals for gravitas. It's funny because when you describe the curiosity piece and the connection piece they're so interrelated and to me that shows you know when we're talking about the three the three c's the three commitments and those two being so interrelated and the essence of both of them really being about how interested and invested you are in the people around you 
you know, that to me says so much because, again, when you think about that surface gravitas and what people generally think of as charisma and showing up with presence, which tends to be all the negative connotation and what people think of when they think of the word personal brand. It's the person who's trying too hard and, you know, the, the braggart and all the rest of it. But actually, when you dig deep and, you know, listening to someone like yourself who's done the research you've seen the data this is not just you thinking it it so much of it is driven by how much you care about the people around you like that and if I I don't know it, it just makes sense to me that if you have that as a focus all of these other great things will come to you, the gravitas, the charisma, the connection. So, yeah, I, I really got a lot out of that. To and, and just hearing you say it, that really was a penny drop moment for me. I could keep going and going, and I've got to be mindful and respectful of your time. And all I can say to everyone listening is you really do have to read this book because we haven't even touched or scratch the surface of all of the tools. I mean, we've we've talked about so much, but there's so many practical, which is what I love about the book because it's not just theoretical, that it's a very practical book. There's a lot of things you can walk away. There's a lot of questions you can reflect on. So I really, you know, I really give you credit for that. It's very clear to me that you're a coach because I felt like I was being coached as I was reading it, which is wonderful. So I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for writing the book. Uh, thank you for making the time to speak to me. I love everything that this represents. The big takeaway for me, and I hope it's the big takeaway for everyone listening, is that gravitas and certainly authentic gravitas is not something you're born with. It's something you can build upon. And there are stepping stones to get there. And it's just making that effort and intentionally showing up to get there, to actually get there. And the top and tail, like I said, read the book in the beginning of the day, read the book at the end of the day. Where can everyone find you and follow you? Oh, I'm on LinkedIn. So you can Perfect. connect with me there. You know, Rebecca Newton, there's probably a hundred. There's only one at the LSE. So if you type that in, it comes up. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm on Instagram. It's Newton. Where else? I, I have an insights newsletter and stuff. So if you go to Coach Advisor, Dot com then you can Perfect. sign up for that um yeah and and, and the books right in hbr and forbes and stuff like that so if it's useful then i my everything that i want to do is bring an evidence-based approach as an academic of course mm. and make it really practical you know this is what i personally want for my own development is work that is grounded in evidence but helps me with thinking about how to be the best leader that i can be tomorrow today you know Anyway, wonderful to spend time with you, Carly. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you do here. Oh, thank you. Thank you again. And read the book, everyone. Read the book. So thank you so much for making the time. Thanks so much, Carly. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, share what you learned and help others find the podcast by leaving a review. If you would like to attend the next virtual class in real time, be sure to sign up to the invite list via carlylion.com or the link in the show notes below. I look forward to having you at the next class.